Hello there. This week, we have our first guests, two of my close friends, Sean Chu and Jonas Tan. We discuss about what they're going to study in uni, how they are spending their time pre-uni, and reflect on life and education thus far. Hope you enjoy. So this week we don't have uh, John Yeo, it's me, John Lim, and our first two friends. Okay, so uh, we have two of my Sec 3, Sec 4 classmates. We, we go way back. So we have Sean Chu here. Hello. And uh, Jonathan, you guys want to introduce yourself? Hi. Sean, you can go first. <laughs> okay. okay. Hi guys, my name is Sean. Um, I'm currently waiting for uni. I think like most of us, uh, I ended army not too long ago. Um, for me, currently right now, I'm, I'm doing a part-time job at Mount Alvernia. Excuse me. I'm doing a part-time job at Mount E. Novena. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's been about my past few weeks. Uh, other than that, I think I generally have been spending my time mostly in church and I've been writing a lot of reflections and uh, personal articles lately. Yep, that's me, Jonas. Uh, what are you doing for uni? <laughs> for me, very confusing time, oh, but maybe Jonas, you want to introduce yourself first, yeah. then I'll... We'll, okay. Uh, okay, sure. Hi, uh, I'm Jonas. I'm <laughs> like Sean and John. I just finished NS a few, few months ago. So right now, I'm waiting for uni and I'm currently doing a part-time job at a cafe just enjoying life for the moment and uh, I'll be doing law in university hopefully in the UK nice okay wait what do you guys what, um, I know I tested you guys to come and come on the podcast but what, what, what made you guys want to, I think what, it's what, a what general interest like in your podcast I think I mean for, for the listeners John, John actually introduced the podcast to me like, like five listeners <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, so I John actually asked me to listen to one or two of his podcasts and um, I actually went wanting to do or be in one uh, podcast for quite a while, actually. And mm-hmm. when the opportunity arose, and when John actually invited me a few weeks ago to come and you know, talk on his podcast, I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Talk about something that... I really feel like a celebrity. Eh? I'm like, this is low-key, then <laughs> no, John, John is a, not a celebrity. La. But yeah, yeah no, I, I, I was just interested in the idea. And so I just wanted to come, uh, come on here and, and really just explore like, what it's like to share your views and become public. Nah, man. What is wrong with you? <laughs> so, uh, funny story. We <laughs> happened story to start... No, not, not necessarily a funny story. Maybe a funny story to us, but not to John. But he was introducing about this thing, his, this project he was doing as we were having a conversation uh, over dinner not too long ago. Then he snuck it in that uh, he was actually doing a podcast, but he wasn't too big about sharing it so far <laughs> and we just searched it on uh, Spotify and it came out immediately then he was like Wait, how, how was that, was, that was like one month ago right? yeah that was about one month when you introduced it to me it was like a month ago and then you said that oh I won't tell you the name of the podcast John Lim podcast like the first podcast was your podcast yeah. and I was like wow Okay. Yeah, okay, so it, it was a happy coincidence that we stumbled upon it and then since the secret has been exposed already, he decided to ask us to come along to share our views seeing as though we aren't exactly doing the most in our lives right now. So it was good to, so I think he thought it was good for us to share our point of view and our perspectives on, oh yeah, this, this empty period or this pocket of time where we are not really fixed on one thing and what you're supposed to do with this period of time. Yeah. And maybe like a few years down the road, you can listen to yourself. I don't know, while you're driving, <laughs> listen to a podcast of you talking to yourself. I mean, to, like to your friends. Mm. Just imagine like, a few years down the road with kids and then you're like, oh yeah, you know, um, actually we were on a podcast before and then to hear our voice five, ten years down. Or this, could have, or this could be the start of a very exciting project where we do podcasts around the world and then we share. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, John John and Jonas is actually going to UK for, most likely, most likely most for likely. you. It'll probably be me having to Zoom them at like ungodly yeah, hours. We're Zooming now anyways. Yeah, but that's because everyone's in Singapore. Ma, so it's, okay, I guess, wait, you guys want to share about it? Why, why you guys did what was that? Jonas? So what, like, Say again, uh, sorry. 
you guys want to share about like uh, your uni choice and what, why you want to do what you want? Uh, okay, since I already introduced that I was going to do law in university and Sean has not said anything about his <laughs> decisions. <laughs> so I, I, I guess I'll go first. Yeah, so uh, I knew, I think I was very fortunate to know that I wanted to do law from a very young age. It's something that interested me. It's something that I took on multiple internships when I was younger and I realized that this was the career choice for me. I, I think law itself as an academic subject I'm very interested in. I think it comes with a lot of challenges, be it like theory or practical. It allows me to exercise my logical thinking skills in a wide array of difficult situations. And I think it has the power to impact society around us. So I knew that law was definitely for me quite early on, but the decision was mostly on whether or not I would do law in Singapore or do law overseas. And I think what drew me overseas I mean, aside, like, unfortunate, unfortunately, there is this global pandemic going on, but I think it was the experience or the ability to experience something new. And I think, honestly, I am quite sick of being in the Singapore legal system for, <laughs> no, sorry, the, the Singapore education system for quite some time. And I want to try something different. And I think living overseas will definitely provide me that independence and that opportunities to meet people from different cultures, not just the people that we have been meeting in the same bubble that we are living in at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. if all goes well, I think uh, I will be heading to the UK yeah. in a few months' time. What, what, what do you do in your, if I may ask, what, what do you do in your first relationship? Like your first, first, that made you like... Uh, I mean, I think a lot of people, especially when I went for my first internship when I was 16, it was a very daunting experience because uh, I think back then a lot of people already knew that the lawyer, the demand for lawyers is going down and uh, there is less and less lawyers who make it. it Uh, I think at the moment, a lot of processes are being automated. So definitely the human judgment is still needed. However, is not as necessary and also a lot of people don't make it past the first five years um, with, with any industry I think the, the first five years is extremely difficult for a law student and people who go into the legal sector don't really understand or don't have the passion to push through those five years of hell to make it um, to where they believe that they should be at so I think when I was when I was starting my first internship it was difficult to understand what the people what people meant when they told me are you sure that this is what you're going to be doing are you sure that you are passionate enough to pull through the first few years so I think what struck out to me the most was the fact that through my internships I wasn't really I had a very positive experience doing my internships I was given a lot of actual practical situations where I had to exercise judgment and I always felt that my opinion was valued and uh, I think getting to know the case studies, getting to know or getting to draft documents gave me a real sense of like what responsibility a lawyer has. And I enjoyed that entire process, even though there were a lot of, a lot of readings and research to do. So I think the outcome was what drove me, the outcome for each case was what drove me to continue to have a passion for law. Did you ever ask like what, um, I mean, since they asked you, are you sure you want to do it? You ask them, are, are they sure they want to stay? Uh, as in the people that uh, I think more so that more so than not those people who ask those questions are just uh, not not that they are wavering themselves not not that their passion yeah. is no longer there but more of the fact that they don't want to see someone uh, like a young graduate oh no I have not uh, I have not <laughs> asked them I'm sure they have their reasons lah. yeah but I think every, to each his own to each his own why they stay on and why True. they are doing working so hard like almost 12 hours a day just focusing on uh, cases that they are taking on yeah, but I think it's definitely a thing. I remember there's one school forum, like they gather all the old boys and the they categorize, I'm not sure you all remember it, but they categorize like the 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 career talks based on like which which career they're going through, right? Then I remember sitting in the law one, then the first thing that they even said was not like to buy anyone, they just said the fifty percent of people, fifty percent of lawyers quit their job like, in the first ten years. That was like them. Like, I think I, I don't yeah, the statistic yeah. to it, lah, but actually it's more common and not than you find people actually saying that. And you find a lot of uh, law students as well reminding you that, you know, after coming out of law school, you know, you're 
a lot of people will just eventually not pursue law as something in their career or either that or they they really struggle in law school uh, just to, to make it through yeah so are you ready to master the art of talking <laughs> i mean jonah spoke quite well uh, spoken like yeah. like a true lawyer oh, the true. entirety of his, this introduction of himself and <laughs> i think sean needs to explain his situation about yeah, no, because, yeah, I think Sean will give a better perspective also on why he decided not to do law. Yeah. <laughs> because in uh, the past few weeks, he has been at this uh, dilemma for quite some time about whether to do law or whether not to do law. Or oh, maybe uh, you want to start from like, what? I maybe know. I'll start from the start. Yeah, my, the start la, when my, you were, when you were just, I'll just give a quick introduction. <laughs> yeah, it, my story is actually very, in a sense, um, I think many people may face it and I, so I, I think that it's important for me to talk about as well my yeah. thought process the whole thing la. so actually coming out of um, uh, as you all, as you all may, not, may or may not know we did IB so coming out of IB I actually didn't really know what I wanted to do I think that's with most people uh, but I knew that I wanted to do something in the social sciences so I applied for purely SMU social science um, okay. more specifically the, the um, psychology sociology and political science one and um, I didn't even apply for NUS, anything in NUS, not even the social sciences then as well. And so I just put it um, outside, out of mind. You know, I, I did an interview, whatever I needed to do. And then I went to army, not thinking. And just a few months ago, uh, maybe end of last year, SMU actually asked me to matriculate into the school, like an early matriculation. And I called my brother thinking like, oh no, is this really what I want to do? You know, if I matriculate into the school means that I'll go in lah. And that was at the point in time my brother actually uh, called me and he said that, why don't you think of um, something else you can do instead of just settling for one thing? And he just, because my brother is in SMU law, he asked me... call you, right? No, I, I called him because I was worried that if I matriculated, oh, yeah, I, I just wanted to be sure, you know, I, I just wanted to be sure. So uh, he called me, he's in SMU law, he asked me to go and explore like a, maybe a double degree in social science or business and business or law. La. So um, that was at a point in time when I was like, yeah, actually, you know, law has been, to be honest with you, I've actually considered law as a degree that I want to do since primary school, but I put it out of, um, I didn't really think about it because I just felt that, you know, everyone's going down that path, you know, I wanted to be different. It was quite a superficial. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no offense to Jonas, but and no offense to the lawyers. But yeah, right, so, so to me, I just wanted to be different. But that was at the point in time I was like, actually, yeah, why didn't I consider law? Um, so I started to explore. I started to ask people. I had a friend his, um, that I won't, I won't say his name. Uh, I met in army. We, we became really close. And he was actually applying to the UK law schools. And so he was actually the one who um, really got me interested in, in law. He debated with me. He discussed topics with me. And... I did it with my brother as well. You know, we, we talked about many things. Um, and so I actually developed an interest for it and I applied for uni. And then came the decision when I actually had to sit for the interview and the, the written test. And my brother was there with me practicing every day. But there was a deep down feeling that I didn't really, this is not really what I wanted, you know. I, I don't know whether Jonas, you've been faced with it, but I'm sure when you say, I want to do law, many people have been like, why law? Why law? Why law, right? So Yeah, of course. Why law? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's the standard um, like question that people ask you because everyone knows that it's a degree that you don't just go in with no, no reason yeah, behind it. Yeah. yeah, you really do. And that was at a point in time when I, I started to be very conflicted. This was maybe about a month ago when I started to think that actually uh, I can give my reasons as to why I want to do law, but I felt like my reasons were not very genuine. And it came from a standpoint where it was quite cookie cutter like, in a sense. But as I was exploring law, I realized that there were aspects of it that I really enjoyed, like the discussions that, are, uh, that arise, the, the talks and conversations that I had. But in essence, that is not law. La. I'm not doing that for the sole reason of really wanting to do it for that passion, a very genuine passion. So yeah, I think that's why both John and Jonas are <laughs> you know, kind of laughing at me over this dilemma yeah, 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 that well, I have. I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a very real dilemma, which is the yeah. reason why we are talking about it in the first place. Because yeah, 
it's only the fortunate few and I consider myself very fortunate because like I knew that this is what I wanted to do from early on so I didn't have to spend a lot of uh, brain power thinking about it especially after coming out of NS I didn't really have to sit down and think about what I want to do for the rest of my life and I think it's a very very big issue that a lot of people face because because our education system is so streamlined in the sense that we, we are just learning because we want to cover a huge array of subjects which allow us to go into different uh, different faculties in the future but none of it none of it actually allows us to develop our own passion into certain things and you have to go and find it yourself which is why it's difficult for people who who are in this stage of life to understand what is truly best for them and to make such a life de- life-changing decision at 20 years old it's quite difficult because knowing that you're going to choose a degree and you're going to stick with it for possibly the next 20 30 years of your life it's no easy feat so i think it's a very good discussion point that you brought up but yeah. again you can always take the american md so yeah, what are you talking about? The Jonas MDG. Oh, I was, talking, I was talking about the MDG. <laughs> oh, that, that is for next level people. And the, yeah. That is for the cream so of the crop. Actually, really, really know, <laughs> know what they want to get into. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but I, I, I think yeah. for me... Um, Fair for a lot of people. Sorry? Wait, my speaker. Yeah, no, I, I think it was, for me, it was in this process of really like having this dilemma that I came to know what I truly wanted to do. Um, after that, three or four weeks of really wrestling, right? I finally came to my senses that law may not be something I really want to pursue um, because I think one is for passion-wise and two, I felt like my reasons for wanting to do law were, most of it was the expectations that came upon uh, me and the expectations I gave myself and a lot of it was also the prestige that came with law and I felt like these weren't reasons to which I should be pursuing uh, such a noble degree like law and I think it was also during this time when I, I knew that I wanted to people person, I generally like to be with people. And I felt like there was a calling there that um, that perhaps I may not be, uh, I may be best suited for another career other than, yeah. Hey, sorry, my, 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 my mic's all cut off. No, anyways, uh, no, I was going to share that. Uh, yeah, I agree. The point of me, I think it's, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very fortunate thing if you, if you know what you're doing. Like for example, me doing math, right? A lot, a lot of people ask me, or at least I've heard people like say like like whisper under their mouth, like kind of thing. Like, oh, why, why, why are you doing math? Like, it's so weird. But then to me, it's just like I found a calling in uh, not say calling lah, but I always thought back like, what is something? What is one one subject that I like to do? Then it was math lah. Then I to me is like, I don't understand why no one else is doing math. You know, like yeah. Actually, Don, mm. what what do you like about math? Like especially for maybe listeners who. Who want to do math as a as a degree? What what about math interests you? I can't give a specific answer, but in general, it's like I don't know. All all the years since like sec one until IB, like math was like the only homework that I didn't feel like the need to. It's like I could listen to music while doing math. It's like after playing football, uh, having such a like. It's like after you have CCA, after you play the sports, right? You'll be too tired to do anything. But then to me, doing mm. math was fine. Like it's like the filler homework, filler filler mm. time, like, Actually, and then even during, I mean, I I watched a lot. I think YouTube was a big factor. I watch a lot of the YouTube videos, like YouTube math videos. Then even even during IB, like the night before IB, like the last thing I do was watch a YouTube math video. Uh like number file and uh three blue, one brown. Uh yeah, that's about it. But I think it's more the fact that in math there's no there's no like debatable answer. More like more or less everything is like yes or no. That's what that's why I like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, if, if you guys didn't know, right? Like so um during the time when I was still in army and when uh, John ORD so at times I would go over to to go and cycle. Uh, and yeah. this man would be there. <laughs> you know, the first thing the first thing I do, like he says to me whenever we enter his room, is hey, you know, uh, I, I learned something about math today. You want me to show you? And she has like stacks of books, maybe two or three, that it just has his workings in it and things that he has learned. This man is, if you're talking about passion for math, I think <laughs> that was just for the this exam. man has it. <laughs> I haven't I haven't studied much since. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I haven't studied much since. Yeah. No, but I think that's, I, it, that's I, it also, like, I feel like for, oh, yeah, I get cancer again, but maybe for, like, medicine and law, right, there'll be a lot of people who might not be passionate, but are doing it, for example. But then for such a weird, not non-glorified subject like math, I think it's very hard to find someone who is not passionate, but doing it. So, like, like everyone inside is very passionate, about it, and that's what I like. I like yeah, a bit, a bit of a controversial side topic, but yeah. by extension of math, what, what do you think about people who are doing comm science now just to follow the hype? Actually, yeah, that's the thing. So, um, I think I'm pretty sure I'll show you guys, but my uncle did math like 
very long ago. That means I think like the 1950s. So, so there's one, one the 50s. point. <laughs> I, okay, I don't think know, it's like, the 1950s. Yeah, maybe like 1970s. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, all the same. <laughs> okay, no, anyways. So I was talking to my colleague who's, uh, she's three years older than, than us. Then, so she's 24 this year. So she was just sharing that uh, during her year, most people did comp science purely out of passion. Like no one did it because of the 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 income or like any security or anything. Mm. But three years down the road, like you see now, like the NUS published their graduate pay, right? It's the highest paying job right? above medicine actually. So a lot of people who don't know what they want to do with their life. I mean, from what I understand, go and do comp science. Yeah, so. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a bold statement. But... That's a bold statement. Uh, oh, uh, whatever I said it. <laughs> But I mean, I mean, I, I think it's good, like Comp science, I think it's right. a very good, very good degree to go in. From what I understand, yeah. You know, like the way I see all these link, right? You know, just now I think we mentioned that, um, as you, uh, Jonas mentioned that there was a lower demand for lawyers, especially because a lot of the things are being automated. I think with the way things are going in this world, as cliche as it may, it may sound, like, there will come a point in time when almost everything will be automized, right? And technology will just take over. So I'm not really surprised that, that you know, I mean, I don't know where you got your statistic from, but comp science is the highest paying job uh, coming out of uh, uni. I'm not really surprised. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's also, it's also very uh, very volatile. La. Like, I mean, maybe this year, that's the highest paying only. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah. I think if we, if we link back to what we, are, we were discussing initially, how will you know that this is the right career path for you? And especially for like John and Sean, who has this, who had this dilemma uh, recently, how would you know that this is oh, the this really degree sounds, that you want to do? It really sounds like some uh, interview or like that. Some lecture statement. <laughs> okay, my, my view is that like, how do I say? Uh, um, no, so if I can elaborate, is it, is it more about finding what you're interested in or cancelling out which one you don't think you want to do for 20 years of your life? Okay, at least for me, yeah. At least for me, I don't see, I don't see... Uh, I don't. I don't see like cho- choosing your uni degree will have to dictate everything. I mean, obviously, like, for example, like law is uh, you need to you need to start with a law degree to be a lawyer, right? That's why it's more like a that's choosing like a whole career path. Me doing math, like I think there's still a lot of different things that we're doing. I think to, even today while uh I was working in the uh I mean I mean working in the bank now, right? There's one guy that did life science. And I was like, wow, it's so interesting. This guy is doing life science. I mean, he studied life science, then he's working in the bank now. So I, yeah, to, for, the first answer to that question is that I don't think it was that big of a deal also because it's not like I'm, I'm like set in stone to do math my whole life. Uh, but also, okay, yeah. So it was like, for me, when I was choosing, it's either like I choose either a career, a career uh, course, which is like medicine, dentistry, that kind of thing, or, or choose something that I like. Then I just, yeah, when I chose math, it was like I took the three, three high levels, which is biochem and maths. Then I was like, okay, I like maths. That, that's a clear answer. So I chose maths. Mm. How about you, Sean? So you, did, so you did consider other options, but you decided that it wasn't for you. I never really considered, actually, I never considered all, uh, being like a doctor, lawyer, or dentist. I think I saw a new that I wanted to do science, like carry on. The science. Asian tri- The Asian, Asian trifecta. Tri- <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, the Asian trifecta. I thought you were going to call me Asian trifecta, uh, the Asian stereotype, me doing math. No, no, I was talking about the Asian trifecta, the doctor, lawyer, uh, dentist. dentist. Then, yeah. 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 Okay. For me, I think it was more so that I'm, I'm really using this time, especially after army. I think I'm a lot more intentional about what I want to do during this period because these few months, right, as much as um, it seems like the only break you have left before you actually start working life, I think it's also a very good point in time for me to really reflect what I want in life. And then, um, like I mentioned just now, I think that for me, it was not so much that uh, I cancelled out law, right, uh, as, a, as a degree that I wanted to, but it's more so that I discovered what I want for myself. Um, to be honest, it's, it's not something that you think of overnight. And like, for me, it wasn't a, oh, I don't want to do law today. It was something, it was a really a long and drawn out process of me wrestling with my thoughts and emotions, thinking, what do I really want for myself? And deep down, I knew that since young, I wanted to do something related to uh, the social sciences. And in general, just, I, I, I found it very interesting about how, uh, you know, human behavior works and what, how humans think. So in a sense, I was kind of drawn to the aspect of psychology and uh, sociology as uh, degrees that I, I considered previously. So for me, it was more so of a really intentional discovering of what I want to do in the future. Yeah. So 
if you so do you do you think that like for anyone listening right now do you think that it they should start thinking about it at a very young age or they should use this time to think about it honestly right like i i really don't see how um i mean you are one exceptional case lah but sometimes Thank people you. <laughs> didn't say best <laughs> but exceptional yes i it's very difficult to to decide what you want to do in, when you were young especially right. because of how you know uh, how as you grow up you are put in different circumstances whether it be like different classroom you know you move house like your environment is constantly changing and that influences the way or what you think you want to do future so for me i never really settled down as to what i want to do um but i knew that this period before uni was some a time where i could very much use it to um the best of my ability to really discover what i want to do for myself so don't be discouraged if let's say you're young or maybe you're still in secondary school jc and you really don't know what to do because that is for most of us and i'm sure that uh, in this case both john and i i i don't think i don't know lah maybe i can't speak for john or so but i don't think i could really imagine myself doing a certain something for you know in the next 5 to 10 years of my life um it was only until now that i i thought okay i have so much time anyways and i'm not using it to do anything else so why why not just think about it lah actually you know just random thought like after after studying work and like doing a lot of coding right i always found it very weird like you know i mean just reflecting back you know for example like brandon like our, our friend he he yeah. he did he actually he, he and uh, amresh did like uh comp science in sec 3 sec 4 right Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you think about it last time, no one really did comp science, but then end up like a lot of people when they go into uni, a lot of them are doing comp science. So it's like, wow. Perhaps think, it's like, just a head start for them uh, in that sense. Yeah. It's just like a head start. No, 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 not that it's head start, but it's in the fact that it's, it's such a weird thing to do in secondary school. But then mm-hmm. again, when you go into uni, it's like that's what everyone is doing. That's like your main thing. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that yeah. is a good point. So, so I guess for like the education part, like what Jonas was saying, like the, I feel like one, one thing that we can improve is like, Wow, I don't know whether it's a practical thing, but getting rid of all the non-essential subjects. Yeah, some non-essential. <laughs> essential I subjects. I'm not sure. I cannot really determine what is non-essential and essential, but I think. I what know, yeah, so cool. I don't know. Is it too early to choose? But I feel like let's say I I mean like, let's say okay for example I mean the context is let's say you hear like all those uh people that apply to like the American schools or like, the Ivy leagues, then you see how crazy like their things they have done right. Yeah, I wonder sometimes, wow, what if I could have done that? But actually, I look back, there's so much things to study, like, how, how do they manage to do this kind of thing? So I was thinking, let's say, like, in sec 1, right, they sort of choose what they want to do already. So they don't study, like, let's say I want to do math. I'll study, like, math and, uh, I don't know, comp science, maybe, like, English, and that's your, like, I feel like there's no need for any other things, really. Like, like, no, but the discussion, the discussion is that, like, even at this present age, when we're all 20, people already think that it's way too early for us to commit ourselves to one discipline for the foreseeable future. So why why would choosing something at SEC 1 be better than choosing now? Yeah, I think with with regards to this case, um, maybe John, I, I don't know why why they didn't do that, but I'm sure um, our uh, it's, it's well thought out. Lah. Maybe it's perhaps to, to build a more holistic approach to the whole, the whole um, education system. But at the same time, I think going back to the topic is that, um, you know, it's, it's, quite, it's quite scary to think that if you, well, at SEC 1, I'm going to decide that I want to be a doctor. I think while, while that is a very good goal to have, you know, to have something in mind, I think it's not something that you should limit yourself to. Um, perhaps a lot of it is also based on, you know, your parents, your grandparents' expectations on you that they put, oh, you know, um, you, must, you must do... Uh, medicine or you must do law it's it's okay to have your own idea as to what you want to do and it's okay to not pursue something as you know um in a sense prestigious as what medicine or law or dentistry can provide. I, I, I think I, um, where, where i'm coming from is like, like sometimes I, I i think back about like jc math or like uh like sec 4 math right i felt like i could have done that in second like even primary school let's say i just did math like for the whole year you oh, technically uh... can as in, not, not just me, as in, like, I feel like anyone can, like, from like statistics, you probably remember the confusion matrix, the true positive, true negative, the, the, the diagram where it shows you, like, uh, you predict whether this lady is pregnant, but she is pregnant, then you pre- predict whether the guy is pregnant, but she is not pregnant. Do you know that thing, the true false? Uh, is it the, what do you call it? Isn't that the econs thing? 
the don't true know. positive, it, false positive. No, Sean, you're thinking about the prisoner's dilemma. That's not it. Yeah, yeah. That's oh, not no, it. Okay. Yeah, no, so no, 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 so, oh, wait, um, you didn't do it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you didn't do it. Yeah, I'm SLMS. So, whatever no, but you I'm just pretty spoke. sure you know about. I'm pretty sure you know about the confusion matrix, the true, true positive, false positive. Okay, I'm not. I'm not. Maybe, okay. maybe I forgot. Okay, math, wait, math wait, is wait, not wait. Sean, Sean, Sean. I, I, need, I need to explain this. So, whenever you make a prediction, let's say, for example, someone is pregnant, right? Yeah. And the lady is pregnant, and then you predict that she's pregnant. That's true positive. So, it's like, what? Okay. What was, yeah, then false, uh, true negative is like, let's say a guy who clearly can't be pregnant. Uh, yeah. you predict that he's not pregnant then he's actually not pregnant but let's say you predict a guy who is pregnant then there's like false positive no okay I, I understand this this is yeah, yeah um, really right no, so, I understand but the, the table and all I'm <laughs> well, I know <laughs> what you guys are talking about <laughs> no but yeah that's so what I'm saying these kind of topics they, I think they only taught us in year 6 right the, the, I, can't, I can't remember you probably remember this better than me the options paper mm. like the paper tree yeah, I always think like I'm pretty sure I could study this in sec one or something. Like if, if they did some sort of like advanced class or something. Yeah, I understand. Right. I understand. But uh, like the, the thing that I think you need to consider also is that why why uh why should the responsibility be on a 14-year-old to decide at such a young age? And what, what happens if he decides that maybe he was interested in math for that few years, but when he reaches into a more mature age at about 17 or 18, he realizes that Hey, actually, this is something that I don't see myself doing in the long term, which is why I believe that when you select your HR subjects or you select your, uh, your H2 subjects for, for those doing A-levels, it's at a very appropriate age where you can start to decide which career path is, is the one for you. So, for example, if you're doing something in the sciences, you would, you would choose like two higher-level sciences or you're doing something in humanities, you do two higher-level humanities. So, I think at 17 or 18... While like people like John Hood would would have like relished at the opportunity to study things younger and started younger at like sec one, it also provides a very fair approach to the to this difficult situation uh, that everyone still at that point can't be sure that this is what they want to do. But maybe to answer John's problem or maybe to to address about how we can further those people or we can help how we can help those people with like a very definite interest in subjects like math will be that we just have more outside experience. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I think what helped me a lot was the SEC4 internship. The six, yeah. yeah, so I think in addition to letting us find our own internships, there could be catered programs for other niche areas such as math, such as life science, uh, pharmacy, things that people don't necessarily think about as like uh, it's sad to say that isn't uh, as prestigious as what the Asians would consider like the tier one job, which is like being a doctor or being a dentist. So it shed some light on those niche areas, which some there's there's a population which wants to develop further, but is unable to do so until where we are at right now. I'll, I'll just make an observation. Like, you know, in US, like I always see, um, um, like for example, people have like the pre-uni, they did this course or whatever, like not, not the online courses, but like the actual go to the uni and do, do those kind of like causes or like some sort of activity la. I realize Singapore mm. unis don't really have that kind of pre-uni engagement like mm. pre-uni like math competition or like pre-uni like I, I don't know like lawyer man or something I, do they have man actually man is quite common right yeah yeah man's are quite common yeah but I mean the, the point you're making is quite true la, like that for, for let's say for uh, a medicine immersion program I think there definitely is I yeah, think yeah, for yeah. For lawyers, there is months. Then for dentists, also, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. But the point I'm trying to make is that for like math competitions, yeah. for like ph- like pharmacy, the lesser known subjects are not as widely acclaimed or widely uh, accessible to students, just as much as like months or immersion programs for medicine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I definitely yep. regret not going for any math competition. Math <sighs> Olympiad. Yeah, but, but speaking on that yeah sorry speaking on that subject do you think you should be doing it now do you think you can do it now no the thing is you can't Since, because I like you have to be they, they have those like age groups there's like primary school it's a bit like CCA <laughs> so you can't really you can't join any... to destroy the primary school yeah. here <laughs> I'm pretty sure they'll destroy <laughs> me <laughs> pick, a, pick an age no, yeah but that's the thing also because yeah it's a bit of a weird age by the time the appropriate age for you to realize what you want to do is only like 17, 18, right? 
yep. then you can't really join at least specifically for like my subject like, you can't really join anything after JC here yeah, because it's like a CCA thing mm-hmm. I that, that's why they have math. I mean specifically for math is math Olympiads and primary school yeah yeah that's true school and, I mean that one's still okay but I, I think yeah, lot, it's, it's those more niche much, much more niche hmm. Yeah. So, so speaking on, on that, right? So, John, what do you think? John and Sean, what do you think you can do during this period? Even like, even though you cannot join, let's say those clubs or let's say those programs, what is the best thing for you to do at this period of time? Yeah, actually, I wanted to talk about that the in this in this podcast actually, which is more of a so what do you do before uni or you know while choosing uni? So I think for me, um. I focus a lot of my time on rebuilding certain friendships that I, I lost connection with um, when I stepped into army. Um, I realized that these connections and these friendships that I built in school were very important to me. And I think that um, it's not just about building connections, you know. I think it's more so about having that relationship with people, that friendship with people that will really support you throughout your entire life. And so I made an effort recently to really meet up with people whom I have not spoken to, have not met in very long. Um, you know, not just to have a chat and all, but I also started recently playing tennis. Um, I think it's all over the place. I also did one session of bouldering, which was a, it's a current hype in Singapore. I don't know what you guys think about it, but that's a topic for another day. Who, who do you go bouldering with? Evan. Oh, Evan. Oh. Evan and Chloe go, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm starting to do this. And this is also the period in time when I'm writing a lot. Um, not so much. I didn't put it up in a public space, but a lot of it is in my journal reflections. Um, I have kept a journal since the end of 2019, the December of 2019. And up to now, I'm still writing, uh, which is something that I have not, you know, I could never see myself doing. Um, it's not so much of a diary, but really just reflecting about important aspects about my life and really seeing my growth. So I think for me, just to sum it up, it's, uh, I'm really using this time to talk to more people, connect with more people and rebuild friendships. And also at the same time, I'm using this time to reflect on what I want to do uh, through writing, through my... Oh, I, I do enjoy photography. So I do take some photos on my phone. Um, follow me on Shun Travels if you want. <laughs> <laughs> just a casual shout out. Yeah. Uh, that's S H O O N T R E. No one cares. Shun <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> travels. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, like, I, I don't really post that anymore, but I <laughs> okay, okay. And the travel bubble, like. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quite, quite nice photos. Quite nice photos. Yeah. Yeah, but what, the, the big thing is why, why do you change your name? Why, why are you Zacharias now? Oh, yes. Okay. So I think a very big aspect of my life during this period is also because. um. I've recently got baptized and confirmed in the Catholic Church. So I, see, I think I what see. John is talking about is that so <laughs> my birth name is Sean Chu. Wasn't born into a Christian family, but yeah. I started to explore the faith and I, I journeyed um, in this thing called RCIY, which is the right of Christian Indian for young people. Um, so I, I went through a nine months, you know, every Sunday we have sessions, um, and then which prepares us for baptism. And eventually uh, we come out as baptized Catholics. Uh, and you can pick a confirmation and a baptism name to sort of signify and mark as a symbol of your rebirth to the faith. So for me, so I think... Wait, how, how, do you, how do you pronounce your name? I mean, your, your new name. <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's, there's many pronunciations. Some people are like, oh, is your name Zacharias? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say. Yeah, so. yeah my, my name is... Um, I, what I picked was Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Uh, Why, what, Zacchaeus. What's the... What's Zacchaeus the is the, the guy in the Bible who climb the sycamore tree to find Jesus and then when he saw Zacchaeus in the tree he told him to come down and invite him to his house I think yeah, look, there, there's, a, there's a whole story as to why I picked Zacchaeus uh, most oh. people pick saints but I picked Zacchaeus because I felt like a lot of his uh, you know in that short story a lot of aspects about his life uh, spoke out to me and how I came to know uh, God as well he climbed a tree and God come down the tree so, so Jesus was walking into town and then he wanted yeah. to see Jesus so he <laughs> Oh, okay. By the way, Zacchaeus is a short man and very much a like, short yeah, man. Short. <laughs> why is he ready to climb the tree? Uh? Yeah, so that's why he needed to climb the tree. And oh. Zacchaeus is a tax collector, which back then, tax collectors were very much hated upon. Enemies, uh. Not really enemies. They were seen as people who gave their own people's money to the enemy, kind of the Romans. Like. So, oh, okay, okay. in a sense, many people despised him. But wait, I think what was wait. significant was that yeah. Jesus saw him and he stopped and called him by his name, Zacchaeus, and told him to uh, 
invite him into his house. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's a story for another time. But essentially, that's what John is talking about. Um, that's also something I've been doing during this time is exploring my faith. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Jonas, what, what, what have you been up to? Actually, wait, you asked the uh, question. Why is it? I asked you back. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 think, I think I've shared enough really on like the my other episodes. Yeah. It's quite boring. Yeah, I know. As in, I think in, in contrast to uh, what Sean is doing now, I, I decided to move more towards uh, developing other skills um, rather than like academic because I am fortunate enough to know what I want to do and I believe that I cannot learn I mean that's not true but I, I believe that as an intern I have experienced what I can what I can learn about and, oh that's true um, that's true yeah like you can't really learn I don't much. feel like, yeah. I don't feel like I can add any value as of now without any legal knowledge although I would still relish at any opportunity to work with any established lawyers but I feel like I wanted to spend the time uh, learning other soft skills which is why I decided to to try my hand in the F&B industry because it's notoriously very difficult and I still believe that there is a stigma or a stereotype against people working in the service industry that they cannot afford to do anything else and I think that as a whole after one month of working there I can sadly still confirm that that is true and there is a lot of people who believe that uh, they or those people who are working as baristas or working as a service crew in any sort of establishment are still beneath them, beneath the customer, which is quite disheartening to see. So overall, it's a very humbling experience for me to see the other side. And I believe that we can only learn what it is through discomfort and through gaining new perspectives, So, which is why I decided to take the job in the first place. Okay. So I think in general, it has taught me a lot about how to deal with people and what not to do and how... I want to be in the future because I don't think these are skills or don't think these are things that are taught to us in school and mostly it mostly comes from your upbringing and how you are raised as a child whether you not whether or not you have the respect and decency for another human being uh, yeah so that is what I've been doing were there any, were there any like interesting occurrences that happened when you were uh, yeah, actually, I met a few very rude and very impatient customers, okay. which uh, oh, it, it was very, it's a very like it was a very pleasant experience, and it was my first few times working there, and uh, it, I'm sad to say that it was like the older people, those people who have retired, <laughs> who, who perhaps still have a very uh, olden way of thinking about service crew and their mentality towards these people working there uh, so in short they were just very impatient when I couldn't when I was still learning the ropes when I was still learning how to take their order when I was still learning the different items on the menus and uh, I they were very impatient and they I think it was a very demoralizing to hear the tone in which they were speaking to me as if uh, it was very a matter of fact tone and it was as if I was not smart enough to understand what they wanted Yeah, but uh, at that point I think that was when, although at that point, uh, I just had to apologize and say that, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm still learning how to uh, take your orders. And I'm still very new to this whole industry, which he didn't reply to, by the way. So um, that didn't have very, a very nice conclusion to it. But I think upon reflection, it really taught me about what kind of person I wanted to be in the future. And then I personally believe that how you treat other people is very f- reflective of who you are as a person. So yeah, it that's that few incidents taught me a lot about what kind of person I want to be growing up. Oh, actually, I, I want to talk mm. about the F and B. Yeah. Oh yeah. Last thing you experiences right working at the bread shop. Yeah. Okay. So like like Jonas, I I did take on. F, actually, I'm currently in a part time F and B role, Mount E Novena, but I have taken on an F and B uh role as a waiter and a kitchen crew just before JC, and that was at the Tiong Bahru Bakery, I think both times it has taught me, just like Jonas, how difficult it is to be working in f and I don't think I can explain how difficult sometimes it really is to have to know that, you know, the unfortunately, right, what your bosses, your superiors will always tell you is that the customers are always right. And there's, there's no point in time when, no matter how right you are, you can tell them that, sorry, ma'am, sir, you are wrong because 
if you say that you're <laughs> you're basically just um asking for it. So I think for me, both experiences have taught me um many things that Jonas has talked about, and I do treasure these moments. But at the same time, it also reminded me, especially my second time taking up the FMB role, how you know underappreciated these FMB service crew members are on a daily, and how much torment uh, they are subjected to. You know, it's, it's not always um, it's not always rosy. You know, you may be the customer uh, that treats waiters, that treats service crew nicely, but that's not the case for many people. Just to share, recently I had this one patient because it's I'm serving an award who who was um, she came a, she kind of shouted at me for something that I had no um, I had no uh, control getting wrong. Yeah, I had no I had no control over because. Basically, you can order your patient meal and you can order your lodger's meal, your guest meal. And at that point in time, the, the patient ordered one, one patient meal and one lodger meal. And when I brought in the lodger meal, she looked at me, she's like, why so much? And I told her, oh, sorry, man, you ordered, you ordered two meals. And she just refused to believe that she did. And she said that I was wrong and that, I had wit- that she had witnesses uh, to prove me wrong. And all I could do was stand there, feel really, you know, really uncomfortable and but just tell her like I'm so sorry let me just take this out for you so yeah I think if there's anyone who who is discerning whether or not they want to go into the F&B industry these are things that Jonas and I you know have experience with it's not always the best but there are um, soft skills that you can definitely pick up that I think will be useful for your time in your time and in your career mm-hmm. okay that's interesting do you guys have anything else you want to talk about you have any other like experiences or like life sharing you guys want to share with like Everyone else. Actually, no. I'll ask. I think, do, do you think? Yeah. Do you think like the two years in army uh helped it anyway? Or do, do you feel like I don't know? I, I always always hear this this uh this quote by this statement by a lot of people like oh in two years a lot of time to think about what you do, but I always felt like that wasn't the case. It's like I even even like by time doing army which I did, I feel like it doesn't just the the you being in army is not a very conducive place to think about your future. I find. Do you have any like things about that? I think it's really okay. I I, I want to hear what Jonas has to say about it, lah. But I think it's really how you really want to spend that two years. So so I have many, you know, back when I was uh, still training, and there's this one guy, one specific guy who all he did every day was study for maybe like UCAS, uh, I don't know, maybe LNET and all those all those tests, lah, to make him go overseas. You know, there are, there are people like that, and then there are people who you know want to um really just do their army and get it over and done with. But there are also people in there who really want to excel uh, and make the best use of army as army and not a time to think about other things and not time to think. I personally was one who just wanted to be in army and do army as, you know, what you know, my father, my uncle's uh, grandfather told me about what army is. It's more like a time where you, know, you get born, you get to jail. It's a time of collective. Unfortunately, it's a collective like torment session you know, or punishment because but you know that everyone else is there doing it with you so it's not too bad so that's for me la. I, I saw it more as a not really a time to think about uni to think about life but there were moments where I thought I, I thought about uni yeah Jonas uh, actually for me I, I really don't agree with the statement that John said uh, or John brought up about how two years he have a lot of time to think about it because um my army was a bit unconventional and uh, I think I put off doing my uni applications because of army because I wanted to be very present in the moment. I wanted to focus on my training and I wanted to do the best I can within those two years. So I, I didn't really think about it. I didn't really think about uni applications, but I can see why for other people, if that is what they wanted to do, then it gives you a lot of free time to do so as well. Uh, yeah, I believe that I, I, yeah, I think to, to sum it, I didn't really think a lot about, about army itself, but on a separate point, I think army teaches you a lot of things about discipline, about perseverance, about leadership that you cannot get anywhere else. So it's another learning process for you rather than just focusing on academics all the time. Actually, on that, on that note, I do, I do want to add on that. Honestly, upon reflection, wherever you are in your current stage of life is always a learning point. I think no matter if you're in a really downtime in your life, you know, you're somewhere that you're not particularly comfortable with, you know, whether it's studying or being in a job that you don't particularly like, everything has a learning point. And ultimately, it's the way you see and the way you perceive things. 
um, it's really what you want to take out of the experience of being in wherever you are, a job, uh, studying, you know. So I think my bottom line, just to sum up, is just really try to find um, ways in which you can enjoy yourself in wherever you are and try to find places that, you know, you think, hey, this is something that I can take, uh, take back and use it in, in my future, whether or not it's learning something you don't want to do or whether or not it's learning something you want to do. Oh, well said, well said. Actually, yeah, since, you guys, <laughs> since you guys both are sirs in the army, you guys want to share your experiences like what, what are some interesting things oh, you cannot understand yourself like that you're also a sir in the <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no but you guys are bigger sirs no 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 uh, just, uh, I, okay I don't know I, I personally felt maybe Jonas can share I, I'm very interested in Jonas' story because actually yeah, uh, since you guys did different things because yeah. Sean, Sean, you were uh DYS one right Which, officer, basically the most <laughs> wait, wait what, what, what's, what's the non-army way I was saying again which one the DYS one. A deputy manpower oh. officer. A oh, deputy yeah, manpower. manpower. And Jonas yeah, was... Yeah, then Jonas was a scout platoon. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Sean, maybe you'll share first. That's yeah. the DYS one. Oh, okay. Um, and I just you keep it short and simple. Actually, I came from... Um, when I was training in um, OCS, there was... I was put oh, into... Oh, so ups. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no. Yeah, I, I think what I wanted to share was I, I was actually trained for... Um, motorized a motorized unit which oh, is yeah. okay, okay, okay. a unit that was trained for Terexes and I remember coming out um, clearly think, wanting to be a motorized platoon commander so that means I deal with the Terexes but I after hearing my my S1 which is basically my boss's speech about what a manpower officer does I think for me I was very inspired because um, I, I remember thinking that hey you know if there's anything I want to take out of army it's something that I can bring out you know, into the future. And I felt like whatever my, my boss did was something that I, I could bring out. So basically, just some context, what the S1 does is he deals with all the manpower-related uh, issues in the battalion, which is separated into four main issues, uh, which is the registry, um, there's the causes, then there is welfare, and then the last one is discipline. So actually, the, the, uh, after hearing about him speaking about all this, I thought that, hey, actually this is something that, you know, uh, I can foresee myself doing in the future and not um, as a motorized platoon commander. That's why when I, I went up to him and I said that, actually, sir, I, I do want to try this, uh, try this role. Um, there's, there's a lot of stigma that comes with it. Lah. You know, especially as a DUI, a deputy, um, to your staff officer, you're mostly in the office most of the time and people are like, oh, you're <laughs> slacking in the office. <laughs> and con, uh. yeah. I mean, yes, to a very big extent, our life is much easier. But at the same time, it comes with its own challenges that people who are not doing that role will never understand. Uh, I can very safely say that it's not all rose, uh, rosy. La. It's really quite yeah, I guess difficult. So it's, 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 it's quite scary to be like the only DYS one in your uh, the whole battalion. In, for those that don't know, a battalion is like maybe like 400 people. So it's a bit oh, like... Uh, I mean, not to, not to, it's, it's 700 people. Just 700 so. people? Yeah. Over there is 700 people. Oh my god. Because yeah. we are we are an infantry unit. So yeah, okay, okay, okay. I don't it, know yeah. how much I can expose. Nah. John, let's just numbers. So it's quite it's intimidating. It's quite intimidating being the only one, la. right? I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Um but yeah, on a side point, I did enjoy the discipline related aspect of my, my job scope, which actually was one of the reasons why I wanted to do law, because the discipline aspect allowed me to draft like investigation reports to vet investigation reports. And actually, I had experiences in military court where I got to go there and see how the proceedings were taking place. Uh. So actually, on a side note of all these things, it was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to do law as well. Yeah. Oh, so that's okay. my story. John, have you have you shared also? Uh, not much. But I think I've shared my opinions of what I've learned. Essentially, like, uh, I became a bit more cynical into thinking not to trust your bosses. I'm not saying not to trust your bosses, not to not to trust that people will know what you're doing. And to always like, for example, like record down what you've done and then uh be wary that like impression still counts. So let's say you could be doing your, your job, like doing very well, getting your assignments done. But like, I don't know. If you always come late for work, like for no reason, and people like people will notice that and then the impression will have a big factor yeah, yeah. alongside your productive work. Yeah, and that's about it. I think as a, as a commander, you're really expected to 
to lead by example. I think it's something that we have been taught in um command school as well. It's I think it's that it's what makes a leader lah. It's a person yeah. who takes a charge, leads a charge. So, yeah, so yeah, the thing, the second thing I learned was that um there's a very I mean once you're a leader you instantly see it clear as day. There's two there's two big differences. One is a leader and one is a uh sorry one is a boss and one is a leader. leader. Yeah. So the yeah. boss really just acts like I, I don't know uh, like a strict teacher like that G- gives you gives you like hope like work to do and doesn't follow up that kind of thing. Yeah. But but a good leader will like let you like strength like, struggle in the in the mess for a while. But the key thing is that you'll come back and review and see what you like improve that kind of thing. Yeah. So that one is the second part. Takes a lot of effort, and he's what makes a very good leader. How about you, Jonas? Uh, okay, so I think uh, like army is another topic that we can we can dive into on a different day, but just yeah. very briefly. Uh, I enlisted in the army. I finished my basic training. I was posted to SCS, uh, Specialist Command School, where I was training to be a, a sergeant in the army, yeah. and then. Uh, very shortly into my initial training, I had to drop out of training because of an injury. And uh, <laughs> what? sorry, first day. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Move on, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So I I was I was in the injury, so I was hospitalized for a few for a few days, and I was put out of training. So afterwards, when I tried to go back to the command school to revisit the training it they didn't allow me to and I was posted to an artillery unit to become a gun operator uh, however through many many fortunate events and very very kind commanders I was able to be reinstated back as a trainee in specialist command school and I thankfully did well enough to transfer to officer command school where I am where I eventually commissioned as a reconnaissance officer and army intelligence officer and I was posted to an infantry unit to to be in charge of a platoon. Wow. Yeah, so, actually I forgot the fact I forgot the part where you went to artillery. Wow then you really yeah. have the whole tour. Actually I forgot about that. Eh how come I? Yeah when was it? That was for a very short <laughs> period of time. For, for a few days only like I had the posting uh, order for, for a few days oh, and then okay, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah right so uh, so my, my job school is very different from Sean and uh, I think once again I have to stress that I learned a lot a great deal about leadership about uh, discipline and about persevering through tough times in army because it was not um, being a commander has its perks definitely but a lot more goes behind the scenes which is very often underappreciated, but you find some sort of reason to keep going because you you want to feel that sense of fulfillment within yourself. So that taught me a lot about uh, being able to persevere through difficult times. And I think, once again, army is a very big topic that we can dive into on a different day. But I would just like to say that I thoroughly enjoyed my NS experience and whoever's listening and waiting to end, end this in NS, it will be whatever you make of it. So if you decide that it's going to be a waste of my two years, then it definitely will be. But if you decide that this is something that I want to give a shot and I keep an open mind about, it will definitely bring you, and it will definitely teach you a lot of things that you won't get to experience elsewhere. So it's also about a lot about people management. Yeah. So, uh, yeah a lot about people management and how you deal with different types of people from all walks of life especially when in the army when everything is when everyone is on the same level starts at the same level everything is standardized and you have no you have no like explicit advantage over one another it's just how you perform within that short given amount of time Mm, yeah okay is there any other thing that you guys want to share and talk about Mm. If you are in a quarter life crisis currently, don't don't be disheartened. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I have to ask you guys. No, so I came across this TikTok that like you know they play those like moody songs. I I I'm pretty sure you guys saw it. Already. <laughs> then like you just uh-huh. caption is saying like uh if you were ten years old now, I can't remember is it were you if you are ten years old now or ten years ago. So uh, let's take let's take it if you are ten years old now. So if you are ten years old now, actually that's sort of it's the same thing as for us twenty years old minus ten yeah whatever. No, but mm. if you're twin, if you're ten years old now, what would you tell yourself? Maybe Sean, you go first. Uh, well, it's very difficult eh? because I ne- I never really thought about this. But I think if 
if I see myself 10 years ago, um, I'll definitely be very proud about how far I've come. Um, it's very difficult to say that sometimes, but... Weird flex, but one... okay. <laughs> what? It's not flex, right? I said weird flex, but okay. Weird. <laughs> weird flex. So it's, it's also like, um, I didn't think that I'll be this current moment with surrounded... Okay, to be honest, back when I was 10, it was very difficult for me to find like good friends. And I think uh, most of it was... Uh, I was very alone. But now I'm very much surrounded by people who I know um, really treasure my time, really treasure the relationships I have with them. Mm. Um, more so on like the more tangible side of things. I think in terms of achievements, I never would have imagined that you know I, I reached so far. I think I can proudly say like, that I've achieved many things that I would never have thought 10 years ago that um, I would be in this position currently. So, uh, but I'll definitely tell you know, my 10-year-old self that just because I'm here currently doesn't mean that it's not, there's, it's, a, it's a very straight and clear path. Lah. Many a times I had to operate in the grey, operate in the blur, um, but it's really the experiences and lessons that I've learned from it that made me who I am today. Lah. Well, it sounds so deep, but really, yeah. I, think, <laughs> I think it's true. It's so cringy and, and cliche, but it's really true. Actually, it's quite, it's kind of mad thinking 10 years ago. It's not even secondary school, eh. it's, it's primary school. Eh. Oh my god, like, yeah, primary school I is think, very... Yeah. Yes, how we, uh, no, sorry, primary five. No, no, primary five. Primary five. Primary five. Oh, oh yeah, gosh. it's not a, good, not a good time to think about. <laughs> primary five, I was such a loser boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why has changed? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, oh, you know, I think you're going to say that. You uh, see the listeners or... I'm always getting flamed. Okay, so Jonas, what, what will you tell yourself Wait, 10 years ago? Uh, Bitcoin is gonna rise. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine if someone told me that I should just invest all my money in Bitcoin? I don't think I'll believe them, but yeah. I don't even know what I don't even know the concept of money. I don't even know what Bitcoin was when I was very five. But, yeah, but actually, that could be the biggest. That could be the biggest thing you could tell anyone. Cause if you tell that, if you tell a guy at 10, 10 years ago to invest in Bitcoin, you don't need to work already. Oh my god. Minus maybe. True, I guess. <laughs> No, but I, I think on a more deeper level, it will be to uh, to just embrace experiences as they come because in hindsight, it's a very important and very powerful tool and you only appreciate the things that you've gone through many, many years down the road. So and it's very difficult in that present moment to, to think about what you could be learning instead of just feeling sorry for yourself that you're going through a difficult time or feeling happy that you yourself achieve individual accomplishments. So I, I, I would say that I would always uh, embrace discomfort and embrace the learning experiences that will come in the next 10 years because that will shape, to, that will shape you to who you will become in the next 50 years in your life. John, any, uh, any advice for your 10-year-old self or any 10-year-old listening? Wow. John's advice to his 10-year-old self. Hey, study math. Yeah, that's exactly what I said. Study math. <laughs> yeah. I mean you have a point like Jonas you have a point I think yeah a lot of things you won't really appreciate until after like experiences or like situations say like what wow. it's like very clear like what you should have done now, I think the, the difficult part is like in that present moment you're like wow, why am I going through this like why yeah. why me but then when you look back at it five years down the road it's like oh, I'm thankful that I went through that because it taught me different things yeah that's right start this podcast earlier yeah. <laughs> actually no yeah, yeah I, mean- I, I would say start Start getting comfortable to not know a lot of things. I think in primary school, like, uh, at least what I felt like, like I felt like I need to know everything. But then when you came to like secondary school, like I don't know, I felt a very big jump from primary six to sec one, then from sec two to sec three, because there was a lot of uh, like the degree of uncertainty or like not knowing a lot of things just increased like a lot. Yeah, but I feel like it's fine. Like everyone doesn't know a lot of things, so it's all good. Uh, so so if I'm hearing you correctly, it's. You're saying that it's okay not to be the best at everything. Just need to know what you're interested in. No, it's not okay not to be the best. But <laughs> oh shit, no, but I just, <laughs> Wait, it's, what? Is yeah. uh, even the best doesn't know everything. So it's okay not to know every, not to know, not to not know everything. Wow, the amount of uh, the amount of fault negatives. Yeah. Uh, okay, I think we're running a bit dry already. So let's just end here. Do you yeah. guys have anything? Any uh last quotes, comments, word of the day? Well, no, I think, uh, yeah, I think we're good. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, how do you guys feel about the coming on, coming online to this? 
Is it does it feel very familiar? Like awkward? I think it's just something that needs to be gotten used to. Yeah. Because I think we are, what we have to be mindful of the fact that we're not just talking as the three of us, but we're talking to people who, you know, maybe want to listen. And maybe yeah, the, there's something that we we as like the three of us can listen to when we are older. La. So I think it's quite funny, but quite cute also. How are you, Jonas? <laughs> I think I think the three of us have very deep and meaningful conversations that aren't very recorded, yeah. and so I th- I think this I I don't know I see I see this as a very productive discussion space for for different views because all three of us are very different in that sense. Yeah. Sean is very business minded. Sean is yeah. very you wanna spiritual, you wanna, spiritual. very wholesome, <laughs> self improvement. <laughs> yeah, but. We we all bring different perspectives to the table, so I think yeah. it's very crucial. Actually, uh, maybe you guys want to bring our deep conversations online next time. So, like once you guys get used to it, you always come back. Yeah. Okay, we will think about it. Okay, okay, okay. I think that that wraps up. That's that's it, lah. Thanks for listening. Okay. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having us, Johnny. Okay. Bye. Okay.